It's a new day start in talking you. It's another fucking day that you gotta get through. Hello, 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 hello. With me in the studio, I have Blindness, singer and guitarist Beth. Hello. And noisemaker, guitarist and overall great hair person, Debbie Smith. How are you doing? We're going to be talking about Wrapped in Plastic, which is your new album. I understand the title of this album, Wrapped in Plastic, used to be your band's name. According to my friend on Facebook, um, who also posted on different... um, uh, forums online we are the only band to have named their album their debut album or any album after their original name so obviously we're called blindness but we used to be called wrapped in plastic and that's what we called our album and he can't think of a single band that has done that and nor is a lot of people who he's asked so that's something <laughs> you formed in 2008 so for a period of seven years you had the original band's name wrapped in plastic on ice. What made you bring it back to life? I, I think it was it was largely to do with the fact that uh, Alex and Kendra are on the album. Oh, that's Kendra, the bassist, and Alex, the drummer, both from an earlier incarnation of Blindness. They were in the band when the band was called Wrapped in Plastic, so it, it sort of seemed like a, a bit of a nod to them um, and also a way to sort of close off that chapter and then we sort of can maybe start a new one turn full circle if you will so those those songs i feel like they were they were really part of those songs so it was nice to kind of have that reference to them facebook click on your mouse to our facebook page The find it will not take an age Facebook www.facebook.com Forward slash The Dukey Radio Show The Dukey Radio Show The thin white Dukey is right Click your way to the Dukey Radio Show Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash The Dukey Radio Show The Dukey Radio Show The Dukey Radio Show From the writing stage to the mastering stage of the album how long did the whole process take for getting Wrapped in Plastic together? Years. Years. Seriously, I don't even know how many years. Two years? Three years? Well, I mean, from the well, from mean, the writing yeah. stage. Writing? I mean, when when we started working together in 2008... 2008, maybe even the end of 2007. Yeah, you had um, most of the songs, not all of them, but most of the songs were there in some form. 
Um, so yeah, so from 2008 until this year, really, um, beginning of this year. So a long bloody time. There are nine songs featured on Wrapped in Plastic. And I want to know about each of these nine tunes. Do they have to be truthful? <laughs> no, the truth is overrated. Entertaining. The opening track serves me right. It reminds me of a Tim Vine joke. Do tell us. My friend has a one-armed butler. Serves him right. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Don't blame me, blame Tim Vine. Yeah. Puns. Um, Serves me right. That was one of the later songs. It was, I think it was one of the later songs that that we worked on all together. It was... As in the original four. Possibly in... Possibly in one of the first batch of songs that I kind of wrote when I started working on these ones. Mm. But, um, yeah, that was good because uh, I vaguely remember being in a rehearsal studio and it just starting with that great big wall of noise, this big crescendo of synths and stuff that came up and it just happened that a, a, an open guitar with lots of effects pedals is exactly the same, it was exactly the same chord, so it's like, hey, I'll do that then. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it's. We we decided to use that as the opening. We we were deliberating the track list, but we thought, fuck that. That's so powerful. Just a huge, great big crashing wall of noise to open the album. Let's have that. So and actually, interestingly though, we 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 used to always have that as a closer because it's pro- probably the heaviest track. And we always used to have it as a closer. And you remember it was. Um, it was Emma's first gig with us. Your bassist. And uh, we, were, we didn't know what our set list was going to be yet. And Emma sort of came in and said, can we start with Sesame Right? And we all sort of went, <laughs> Blasphemer! <laughs> and, um, and we started with it and, and her, her bass came in just, it, it sounded really heavy and it was very loud. And, and that was, I think that was, that was Emma's entrance. That was her announcing her arrival. Mm. <laughs> Also, original bass line was, uh, was uh, recorded by Sheila Chipfield, bass player from Elastica. True fact. Oh, right. There you go. That's the kind of factoids that we need. Oh, was the rest of it bullshit then? <laughs> <laughs> you going to cut that out? I've got a question uh, about Emma. When I saw you guys play for the, the first time, which was at Nambuka at the launch for the album that we're talking about, Emma was sporting a very interesting bit of handmade graffiti on her shirt. which uh, I seem to remember being Joy Division, you cunt. Yes, yes. Any ideas to what prompted this? She likes that T-shirt and, you know, we, 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 we're not censorious. Um, I, well, the first time I saw it is when we did a, a photo shoot with uh, Iona D and she wore that and I was like, hey, that's brilliant. Um, swearing and Joy Division, my two favourite things. Um, but I actually watched Control, the film, the other day again. <laughs> And it's actually from that film when um, Ian Curtis goes up to Tony Wilson in the bar and he gives him a scrunched up piece of paper and, and Tony Wilson opens it up and it says, Joy Division, you cunt. And it's exactly that writing. So someone took it from there. Ah, oh, right. True fact. And I thought that Emma cleverly made that shirt herself. Up next, one of the songs that we played on the Dookie Radio Show's Estrogen is East episode. 
Song for the Deserving. Just another fucking day that you've just got to get through. Beth wrote it. <laughs> I just think everyone deserves a chance, don't they? Everyone deserves a, a bit of luck or a good moment or a chance to redeem themselves or not everybody gets it, but... And everyone wakes up and thinks it's just another fucking day that you've got to get through. It's another fucking day that you got to get through. Everyone thinks that at some point. I had one of those yesterday, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting pay-in to the human condition. I think that's what it is. I was looking at the blindness bio, and I noticed that each member is linked to producing noise, Debbie. You have an extra job description in yeah. that feedback is oh, yeah. is put into the, the pot. Now, I have an issue with this, not with your feedback, employment, that's a thing of beauty. Hmm. But when I went to see you guys live, I noticed that Beth employed a great deal of feedback, indeed putting her telecaster right in front of the amp for an amount of time that must have led to some kind of hearing loss issues. Yeah, well, she's just copying me, isn't she? Oh, really? <laughs> uh, feedback is pretty much all I can do on the guitar. <laughs> it doesn't take too much skill. <laughs> no, we, 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 do, we do like a bit of feedback, and I can't do it all. And, you know, I mean, we have some of the feedback that I've recorded on some of the backing tape, but sometimes it's just not quite enough. So we have Beth do it as well. And, you know, it's good. Is this a role that you've had to adopt recently, Beth? The feedback providing? <laughs> um, it, it sort of periodically happens at gigs when I have my guitar. Because I don't always, like, we're not always playing the songs that I'm, I'm playing on. So I haven't always got my guitar with me. When I do, I like to partake. Indeed. And why not? The third track, Last One Dies. I always forget the name of it. I call it Chink Chink, because that's the first thing I do in the track. You make a chink chink guitar yeah. sound. I'm terrible with all the names for the songs. I mean, like, like we said, it's been eight years and I still can't necessarily remember the titles. I'm terrible like that. So that one to me is Chink Chink. Do you write Chink Chink on your set list just so that you know? No. When it starts, I, I know what it is when it starts because then I think, ah, yes, Chink Chink. And that's what propels my brain into playing the right thing. Sorry, Beth. It's, it's nice and poppy, but it's also very heavy. Um, and melodic as well it's melodic and heavy and poppy um and it allows me to um give free reign to my um gang of four harmonics um obsession and my garage uh 60s garage rock riff obsession so combine the two and that's my guitar part Andy Gill mixed with 60s Garage. Yeah. Does it get any better? That's No, not really. The only thing I'd add about it is that I, I always quite like the title because it always reminded what, chink, me... Chink, chink. No, because it always reminded me, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and, and you you always, you know, there's a group of you and you're all running to the car and you always say, oh, last one to the car's a rotten egg. And I just, it always seemed like a more sinister version <laughs> of that. So it's so okay, everyone, one last one dies. <laughs> <laughs> 
one I initially thought was about numeracy issues and a decline in education standards in the UK. No one counts. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, boom. No one counts is that was that's a very 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 early song that was like the second or third song that we actually did in my in my living room it was on our very first um little cd that we put out because we we re-recorded that and put them onto the album but um yeah that was one of the very 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 earliest ones that we recorded um yeah and i like it it has uh, a sort of naive charm The album version as well is, compared to the original version that we put out on the EP, the album version is, um, uh, for a couple of reasons, I think the album version just is a bit poppier, but also maybe a bit more, like, almost in a punkish sort of vein. It's not a punk song, but... This is not a love song! It's, like, we've sped it up slightly, we've, compared to the original... The original version, and it's got drums. I think the it. live drums, and it's it's got some of the synths were taken out and that kind of thing, and it just seems a bit more straightforward, and it seems to work as just a bit of a it's crashing three-minute pop song. And, and it's one of one of the few songs that we've actually played without the backing track. Yes, we can play without a backing track, people. Yeah, um, yeah. We we at one gig we actually opened with it without. Um, yeah, we played it just the four of us, just drums, bass, guitar. Uh, and vocals and it worked um so yeah when i last saw you uh, perform live in july you were drummerless the you know the drums have been flown in via modern technology mm. how long have you been playing without a drummer a couple of years a now. live drummer that is about about two years alex was our drummer from about 2000 Nine, I'm guessing. 2009, 2010. Till 2013. Yeah, we were used to not having a drummer for a couple of years before he joined, so we just went back to that, really. But it is hard to go back to that, because I know I certainly missed having a drummer to vibe against, because, you know, the drummer is just at the back giving it all that, and you just turn around and go, yes! And I miss that. But, you know, uh, at the moment, we just don't don't have a drummer, and... uh, we're making do with what we what we have, but, you know, I think it works. I know it works. Well, Beth's getting good with programming the drums now. Well, I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> For those of a, a religious bent, the next track, the fifth song from Wrapped in Plastic, will resonate. Sunday morning. Ah, Sunday morning. Again, it's one of our softer songs, more melodic um, there's no terrible feedback noises from me in that song at all, which is quite a rarity, actually. Um, yeah, I like that. It's always a weird one to play live as well, because it's a lot of the rest of the set is, is quite heavy, and if we come down to that one, it sort of starts off quite mellow, but then it, it builds a lot, and there's a mostly instrumental bit in the middle which builds a lot, and, and uh, yeah, that always sort of get a bit lost in that bit. Yeah, I, li- I like the uh, the middle bit 
because they, you know it's like a, a proper middle eight you know it's like classic songwriting there Kendra was in the band she used to actually sing vocal rounds with Beth and I thought that was really nice but I can't do that and play the guitar solo at the same time screech one line sometimes all you need to do is screech that one line that's all I can that's all do. you need let's face it that's all, all you I need to do, do. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. up next humming song the sixth track humming song Yes, we called it that because there is humming in it, but it's actually called Intentions, really. Is that, does it say that on the, on the album? No, it doesn't. No, it's actually think. got a proper title, but we just don't call it by it. We've, we've just always called it Humming Song. I think that's kind of... Because there's a lot of humming in it, we called it the Humming Song. It actually, you know, when we first recorded it, the, the, the word Intentions was definitely in the title, but it's been dropped now because... Because it's the humming song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like chink, chink all over again. Why was it called Intentions, Beth? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the word that came into my head when I wrote it. This is what I mean Could it have been a subconscious thing? Was there something that you... Were you intent on anything that you were perhaps repressing? <laughs> uh, I did, yeah, I don't know about repressing. I don't know. I know, I know how it links there, but um, she's not telling you. You're being people. guarded. I know. Just yeah. <laughs> Off air, you both were talking about a brothel and its role within blindness care to tell me more well we needed the money <laughs> times are tough yeah girls gotta do i i moved house in 2009 and i moved into a flat in farringdon which um w with people that i didn't i didn't know until we'd moved in together and i got on really really well with a couple of the guys there and we we was, one of them had sort of invited friends around for housewarming and i was sitting next to the other one and i i just sort of said to him John, have you noticed that a lot of people ring our intercom looking for the previous tenants? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I have noticed that. And I said, and have you noticed that it's often quite late at night? He was like, yeah, it is actually. And I said, have you noticed that they're all men? <laughs> and, um, and eventually we, we sort of started probing people that, you know, came to the... Um, <laughs> came to the door to try and kind of confirm our thoughts and, and we actually finally got somebody to uh, to admit that the, the previous tenants had been using probing our flats. Probing conversation. Probing, con not co probing conversation, just as, rather as in, rather than physically, no, definitely not physically, they weren't allowed in the flat anymore. 
Um, just just asking, trying to sort of ask, get information out of people when they came to the door, and um, and eventually one person did confirm it that the, the previous tenants had been using the flat as a brothel before we had moved in. Yeah. Was uh, this the location that some of the tunes from that and plastic? Some of them were written, were written there. Actually, yeah. In, they were written in an ex brothel in Farringdon. In an ex brothel in Farringdon. If walls could talk. <laughs> I'd rather they didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> Broken is the very feedback-laden, emotive, hypnotic tune that's the seventh on the album. That actually was literally the first song that Beth and I ever worked on. Because the, the, the way we, we actually formed was I was playing with Space Echo and Beth would keep coming to the gigs and keep asking me if I would play guitar with her on her tracks. To be, be like, fair, I actually only asked you once. I came twice, to I came to a few least, gigs man. and then I asked you and you said oh, I'll have listened to the tracks and then no it was twice because the second time you brought me brownies uh huh I brought you brownies to your flat oh yeah I've still got that box by the way can the I have that back box. yeah you can have that back thanks well fair enough were the brownies that memorable that you you had to hold on to the box they were fucking good brownies you've got to hold on to a good box <laughs> let's face it. But um, yeah, so uh, but yeah, I I said yeah, all right, then just send us a track, and she was like, oh, I better write some then. Yeah. <laughs> so she wrote broken. And send it to me, and it was it was really good, um, really good. And she all, the only direction she gave me was that in the middle bit, she just wanted a lot of noise. And that was that was literally it. So I made sure there was a lot of noise in the middle bit, and Beth was pleased. We recorded uh, the guitars in my living room, um, and we did lots of various guitar lines, actually, most of which didn't actually end up on the track, but have actually been recycled into other songs, which are yet to come, people, yet to come. So you layer up all the parts and those bits which, for a whole host of different reasons, might not blend as well as they could. They can turn into new tunes. Yeah, yeah. Waste not, want not. Absolutely. Recycle. Recycle, everybody. <laughs> Keep the planet. <laughs> Keep the planet beautiful. <laughs> All in one. The eighth song on Wrapped in Plastic. That's kind of um, sort of me trying to be Nile Rogers a bit, really. because it's a fairly clean for me guitar sound and it's sort of funky it's sort of it's, it's actually the, the the chords of good times so this was inspired by this actually yeah I was that have, deliberate I, or was that something that maybe you, you discovered afterwards? It just happened to be in that key. Um, I can't say I'm surprised that none of the reviews of this album have said, it's a bit Nile Rodgers. Yeah, well, it's not, is it? You know, I've changed it up a bit, you know. Get your chic on. Yeah, well, but uh, in, in my mind, it's a bit Nile Rodgers. Um... But it's, it's got that sort of funky guitar lick to it, which I obviously took from the uh, the backing track because it's got that stuttery effect in it. 
So I just sort of um, laid another track of that on it. Um, and to tell you the truth, when we're playing it live, it's not it's not my favourite song to play. Um, but it sounds fucking amazing on the album. It really does. I'm very, very, very pleased with how that sounds. Why do you not enjoy playing it live? Is it because of the the clean guitar sound and no, not feeling like I, yourself? Or? No, I don't know. I, I, I think because um, there's a, a, a great big chunk on the album Beth actually does a guitar solo on it um, and if we play it live uh, I always expect to hear the guitar solo but we didn't for ages because well we just didn't always bring the guitar so it was always it, there's always something missing in my head when we play it live unless Beth is doing the guitar then it's fine so that's it's not that I hate the song or anything it's just that you know sometimes it felt like there was something missing Confessions closes the album it's kind of interesting because you've got sunday morning sunday obviously has religious connotations within certain faiths and then number nine confessions is there a link does theology play a part like in blindness at all without it, it it doesn't really but then you know without trying to be too sort of mysterious or enigmatic actually humming song actually has um religious connotations as well does it yeah mm. not the title but do tell <laughs> intentions rather you can't just say that and not tell us now humming song was actually i didn't know this people humming song was actually written after a conversation that i'd had with my mum and i i hate talking about what songs are about um it was a conversation that i had with my mum we were talking about um she had been i can't remember where she'd been now but she'd been away for a weekend and she'd been into um into sort of a big cathedral or minster or church or something and she had gone downstairs and there was a big mural on the wall of, you know, it was beautifully painted. It was angels and sunshine and that kind of thing. And then as you turned around to come out, there was a picture of sort of, you know, the fires of hell and that kind of thing. And, and she said it was just so clear how, you know, when, you know, you look at the, the one when you come in of, of heaven and, you know, this is this is what you get um, if if you toe the line and and as you're leaving you see the hell this is what you get if you don't oh yeah that's the words isn't it a moment of clarity yeah i don't listen I to the words i feel like i've just um, i hope i haven't just totally ruined that song for anybody who had found some different meaning in it <laughs> i apologize in i apologize I, I never wanted to be that asshole but apparently i uh, i am you're not an asshole you just think strangely <laughs> I like people who think strangely, so you're in good company. <laughs> On to this last track. It is called Confession, so in a way, the title of the song made you feel perhaps duty-bound to reveal all. Well, it's not Robert Palmer for a fucking start. <laughs> Everyone keeps going on about it. Okay, the riff is slightly like that, but fuck off. If any of the listeners feel that way, the lights are on, but you're you're not home. Yeah, but it's not. This is not Robert Palmer. If anything, it's Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. He's one of the architects. Chuck says hello. Yeah, well, you know. Good friends. Um, well, more friends of Little Richard, actually. No, yeah. true story. He, R- really? Yeah, I met him once. Well, I met him several times, but the first time I met him was in a uh, a hotel 
uh, lift in LA and he I was in there and he got in and he just looked at me and he went, Ooh, child, I love your hair. I was like, <laughs> yes, <"Fucking> brilliant. <laughs> I have the seal of approval from the originator. My word. Mm, the that's, great architect himself. That's a life affirming moment. Yeah, mate. Love it. Barnet's approval from little Richard himself. Well, I know. Him, I mean, his Barnet's quite spectacular, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He knows of what he speaks. But anyway, back to the song. Confessions. Yeah, it's, uh, that was another early one. It's just, it's just a, it's quite a straight ahead rock song in a way. It was the best I could do in with some squally noises. Um, I like it. It's poppy. Um, people seem to... People, like, right from the start when we started playing it, really, really liked it. So we thought that would be the natural thing to be our first single, which it was. Um, yeah, I really like it. And I get to do a mad atonal guitar solo right at the end, which is always fun. <laughs> That was also that was also the first time we got together to record. Yeah. And actually some of some like a lot of that stuff is actually still is on, on the album version. Yeah, I mean uh, I think definitely on on Broken and Confessions you can still hear my original original guitar parts mm. still underneath the the redone ones, which is nice. Backtracking a bit with Broken and with songs that had earlier inceptions in terms of recordings. How long of a gap between the first recorded version and the version that people can hear on the Wrapped in Plastic album? We put out that EP in 2010. So how many tracks from that EP appear in revamped all, mode here? All of, all of them. All of them. And how many tracks are on that EP? Three. Three. So it's Confessions Three. Broken and No One Counts. And what's the name of that EP? The Confessions, Confessions EP. EP. Whoa! <laughs> Don't ever try and say we don't have an imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Although you'd be right. Well, actually, we considered the broken EP until Kendra pointed out that Nine Inch Nails already did that. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> Damn you, Resna. Resna! <laughs> Nine tracks. Obviously, you were very, very clear about the song that you wanted to open the album. How did you go about deciding the order of the remaining eight tunes? I, I th we we thought about the LP first, the um the record first. I think right. so. We, we we had, I think we knew we wanted to open with "Serves Me Right" and close with "Confessions," um, and then it was a case of what would be the closer for for side one and the opener for side two, um, and then the others just kind of fitted in there. So you definitely saw it from a, a vinyl perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. We were very clear with the label that we wanted it on vinyl. To be honest, we weren't digital obviously i think that's that's gonna happen anyway we, we weren't too worried about the cd they wanted cd and where can people purchase both the vinyl and digital versions of wrapped in plastic uh they the label website which is saint marie records dot um, com uh at gigs um or well we're, we're in in the process of um putting them on our uh website shop so, uh, yeah, if you check out weareblindness.co.uk and go to shop, hopefully it will be up there for you to purchase. And when is your next gig? I understand that you're playing a very worthwhile shindig in the heart of Finsbury Park, North London, next month in October. Yes, uh, we're going to be playing uh, a 
a benefit, a fundraiser, as part of the We Shall Overcome uh, weekend in October, which stretches from the 2nd to the 4th, I believe. We'll be playing on the 3rd at the Silver Bullet, and our event is called We Shall Overcome London Loud Women. And that is because there will be some loud women appearing. Um, lots of uh, female-fronted uh, bands. So there's us, there's um, a band called Argonaut. Uh, there's uh, Janine Booth, who is a poet and hater of Tories. Yay. Uh, Emily C. Smith, uh, who is apparently crepuscular, also evocative and fascinating, a bit like Tim Burton's hair. Um, someone called Maeve, uh, as uh, a spoken word performer. The Women's Institute, who are a great new band uh, with a couple of my mates in it. And uh, a, a punk band, a punk witch band, apparently, called uh, Extra. So there may be more bands added to the bill. And I think it goes on, yeah, it's, it's six, it starts about six. Um, and you have to bring a donation of food because it's uh, raising money for food banks. It's part of a, an anti-austerity uh, thing. Silver Bullet, Finsbury Park. The 3rd of October. 3rd of October. Be there. On the last episode of the Dukey Radio Show, we found out all about Debbie Smith, the woman, the myth, but Beth. Oh, Debbie Smith, the woman, the myth. <laughs> yeah, you can have that as a song title. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean that. But Don't I meant tempt it. me. <laughs> <laughs> but Beth, tell us about your background. What were you doing before you entered the world of blindness? Before blindness, I was in a band called the Meccano Set, um, which was... It wasn't, it wasn't, didn't seem to really have kind of a solid boundary of, of members. It was, the core was, at the time, was myself and um, and a guy called Milk, who um, who is, is still doing the Meccano set. And he did like all of the music backing tracks and that kind of thing. And our, our main premise was that we would, um, we would basically book off a day or an afternoon. We would meet up in, you know, one of our flats and we would drink an obscene amount of wine and we would basically just he would play tracks and whatever kind of grabbed me we would just work on it and just kind of see where it went and then he would sort of edit things later and we could add things later as, as we came up with them but that was kind of the uh, the idea so there was a lot of um improv- there was a lot of improvisation there was a lot of just kind of putting things together on the spot and how long did you play with milk and um i was with them for a few years we we actually started off there was four of us that started off together and our first gig was com- completely improvised we, we none of us knew what we were going to do um and um and then two of those members left and we got a bass player as well so for a while we were playing live as a as a three-piece um and and that was together for quite a while so that was with um the guy patrick um, Patrick Crean, who is in Dublin now, um, and then he left, and and we sort of, you know, I, in fact, I think I may have left before Patrick, because um, I moved to London, and that's when I started messing around with, with software and that kind of thing to sort of keep myself writing. So you became self-contained by default, 
without having a band you started working uh, yeah I, I was sort of I, I was I was kind of I was learning how to use um, software and, and synths and that kind of thing mostly so that I could a keep writing and, and b keep singing just kind of you know writing vocal lines that kind of thing so it's at least still doing something McConnell um, Brighton-based? Yes, uh, they were Brighton-based and he's now based in Liverpool. I, I think, I genuinely, I think he likes the city. It's, um, I, I think he sort of feels like if it's in there, I think London is a bit, London can be a bit hectic and a bit heavy and ridiculously expensive. Are you from Brighton originally or how did you end up um, joining that band? I'm not from Brighton originally. I actually moved over to England when I was 21 from South Africa. So I moved over when I was 21. I moved to London originally. I joined a band in Southampton for a while and that, that eventually went quite badly. Uh, and I moved back to London and while I was in Southampton I'd started seeing somebody there and and he didn't want to move to London I didn't want to go back to Southampton and and it was pretty much a case of well Brighton sounds nice so the first time I ever went to Brighton was to look for flats <laughs> um, so <laughs> and um, and eventually yeah, we, we moved down there together um, we broke up but I stayed there for a few years afterwards and then I moved back to London after a few years Did you go to Southampton just because it sounded a little bit like South Africa. I actually only went there to join this band, so um, that was right. I, I didn't know anybody in Southampton. I, I took a sort of massive leap of faith, really, which which didn't necessarily work out in the long run. I must say, South Africa, the accent has faded uh, quite a bit. It would have. I've I've always had a tendency to pick up and drop accents very quickly. So, right. So it kind of comes in and out. Can you speak Afrikaans? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know enough to say no. So you're, you move to London, you're working with computers, you're keeping the, the writing process going. How did you meet Debbie? How did blindness come to be? I went to see Space Echo um, uh, at, I think, they're one of their first gigs. And I saw that Debbie was playing with them and um, I, I, I'm a big Cove fan, so I sort of recognised her from curved days and um we i went to see them a few times and um and eventually um somebody had suggested to me that we go and see her other band the nuns um and i we were at water rats and um space echo played and i think i don't know been a while since they'd been on stage but i i had had a few drinks and i was drunk enough i, I saw her on the stairwell to the toilets <laughs> and um, and i basically just went I really like you. Can you come and play on some of my tracks? Like that. And then she was just like, well, yeah, okay, send me some. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you should probably go and write some, really. Oh, I mean, it well. Alcohol. It helps bands to form. <laughs> it really does. Also break up, but that's another story. <laughs> that's true. That, that is, that's very, very true. Yeah, we haven't gotten that to that part of the story yet. Don't, nah. don't ruin the ending. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it may be when one of you decides to become sober and judgmental. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I, I'd prefer to be drunk and judgmental. It's more fun. In the film Some Kind of Monster about Metallica, one of the members, James Hetfield, decides to go sober and will only work during a certain window. It's between 10 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon. And insisted that nobody do any work when he wasn't there. So it meant that people could not listen to mixes, um, and that that sobriety led to a near split. What a cunt! Seriously, what a cunt! But I mean, that's not creativity, is it? You can't, 
You you can't. You can only be creative between ten. Yeah, you can't. You can't control that. Like sometimes, you know, you start working on something at five in the evening. There's nothing there. You go back to it at like eleven o'clock at night, and you end up spending like you know seven hours working on one snare drum. Well, Um, well, I do that, but. But um, but you can't you can't control when you're that's not creativity no, that's I mean, that's being calculated absolutely fair, fair yeah. play to him if he can only work those hours fine but for him to ban the rest of the band from doing anything else they couldn't even listen to mixes that's just bullshit I heard that you listened to some mixes and that album I'm very was shit upset. that album was shit it is a bad album yeah some that snare sand as well on Sandanga yeah fucking gated so. yeah oh, not yeah that was massively compressed there are album. there are other metallic albums. <laughs> have you seen Master the film? of Puppets <laughs> Well, it's brilliant. Um, have you seen the film? Some kind of monster, though. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like hilarious. a real-life Spinal Tap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Anvil, though. Anvil's a good. Anvil film. was great. Absolutely, very, very engaging people. An amazing story, and yeah, there's the likability factor, and mm. also you're championing the underdogs, whereas you know. Metallica were able to afford to go to the Presidio for 18 months and, and get themselves a group therapist. <laughs> yeah. Who was on a ridiculous wage, just like $30,000 a month or something. No wonder he wanted to keep working. For surely, them. like, yeah. you know, like I could have gone in there for like half that price and said, here's your problem. You have some asshole who's sobered up and told you you can only work between certain hours. Fucking get rid of him. <laughs> you guys Difficult. will be laughing. Difficult. Lead singer. Difficult. Mm. Would stop. Yeah, that that would have been a good option. <sighs> yeah. I think I need to phone up my therapist. <laughs> now, I'm mindful of the fact that in this room, there are two thirds of blindness. There is one third unaccounted for, Emma. We did mention the Joy Division You Cunt t-shirt that she sported at Nambuka at your launch gig for Wrapped in Plastic, but I know very little about her. Tell me more. She's sound. She's great, Emma. She's from Bradford. That's in Yorkshire. She eats a lot of fried chicken. A lot of fried chicken. That's quite Yorkshire in itself, really. (laughs) Uh, No, um... How did you find her? Well, it was sort of word of mouth... Uh, thing uh, we we for a short time a few months in 2013 we had a drummer uh, Graham Bonner who used to play with Swerve Driver and uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre um, he didn't stay very long but um, uh, we were rehearsing with him for ages um, and he put out uh, a Facebook message saying hey we need a, a bass player because uh, Kendra uh, decided to leave um, blindness to go on to pursue other things and so he put out a Facebook message and uh, yeah one thing led to another and Emma answered it and that's how we met her um, and uh, she came to audition at our rehearsal studio she did we, we had a couple of people come back for two auditions she was one of them and um, the, f- the first the first audition that Emma came into, she she did apologise. She hadn't had a huge amount of time to prepare. I think we'd sort of sprung the audition on her a little bit, and and she hadn't had a massive amount of time to prepare. But she also she came in with um with a I was I think it was a Fender mm. um, bass that she has because she had just come straight from a 
rehearsal with another band. Yes. Yeah, oh, she plays uh, bass in a rather good band called The Climbing Boys, uh, as as well as us. Carry on, Beth. Um, and she. Um, uh, she she so we played the the um the audition and we were we we just we weren't a hundred percent sure about the bass sound uh we we thought like maybe you know it could have been a bit stronger we, but we asked her to come back for a second audition and she'd had more time to prepare and she she actually bought um a different bass with her and thunderbird oh she had a thunderbird bass so she had something that was maybe overly polite when she turned up to the first session and it, it's yeah. yeah it didn't have the, the grunt the, yeah the i think the grunt i i think i think i remember her saying that um that climbing boys that was sort of better for for their sound and she you know come straight with that bass but she came back with um with the thunderbird and uh and she started playing and it just fitted in a lot better like, yeah, like she started like playing that. so i think i think she got a message that evening after she left us and we, we sort of said like we'd like you to join but we'll have the thunderbird please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah so that's how we met emma and uh she's great um she's uh a, she's a, a right laugh actually um it i to be holding my hand up it did take me a little while to understand what she was saying because she talks very quick and she's got a yorkshire accent and she's quite quiet and she's quite quiet so quick quiet in yorkshire it took a little while for my london ears to uh, adapt but you know i i do understand what she says now and it's mostly very funny hey what's a bloody dookie then Well, that's your lot. Blindness. Great band, fab people. And a real force to be reckoned with live. That lot really know how to put on a good show. You've been listening to our interview with Beth and Debbie from Blindness. My name is Dookie and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Now it's time for me to go and uh, <clears throat> pop my weasel. Thanks for listening. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. I just rock up and I am Debbie Smith. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, fuck you.